Today's episode of Down with Joe DeRosa is brought to you by Nick Thune. Nick Thune is a company that's been around since 1979. Um, we mow lawns, we take care of the house, um, we also will cook dinner, and we'll put you down to bed. Check us out on nickthune.com. We're a proud sponsor of Joe DeRosa's podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Down with Joe DeRosa, one guest, one topic, one hour. Today, optimism and pessimism is the discussion. Some of us are able to walk that fine line evenly between the two, but most of us fall headfirst deep down into the depths of one or the other side of that coin. I know all of you can guess which side I usually land on. If you're following the standard definitions of optimism and pessimism, uh, optimism always gets the pat on the head always gets the two thumbs up from everybody whose morale it just boosted. While pessimism is always off to the side like some kind of alcoholic cousin that nobody really wants to talk to or about. People look at optimism like helium, inflating us, lifting us, helping us reach for the stars. But pessimism gets the gravity wrap, pulling us down, giving us weight, keeping us on the ground. Well, that's exactly what I like about pessimism. It keeps me grounded. Exactly how far am I going to get in life if every time I'm walking around, I'm looking up at the clouds? That's dangerous. I need to look at what's going on right in front of me because that's where all the threats are. You can call me negative for assuming there are potholes in the street, but I guarantee you this, I've never fallen into a fucking pothole. On the other hand, the optimist would tell me that even though the potholes are there, it doesn't mean that I need to focus on it. And I'd be foolish to not recognize that point. In fact, in recent years, I have learned to recognize that point more and more. But is that optimism? I think it's more like positivity. And that's the problem I have. Optimism is far often too qualified as being wholly positive, and pessimism is far too often denounced as solely negative. I don't agree with that. Of course, I realize that each go hand in hand to a certain extent with their respective counterparts, but I don't think they're synonymous. To me, optimism and pessimism are just varied forms of realism. The subscriber of the former says, it's not realistic for me to try and achieve success while I only focus on everything that's wrong. And the subscriber of the latter says just the opposite. So, although the glasses-half-full crowd could benefit from borrowing a bit of perspective from the glasses-half-empty bunch, and vice versa, neither group is inherently right or wrong. I certainly look forward to seeing which group my guest today belongs to. I first met this guy years back in the place that so many of us comedians meet on the wide open road. We became fast friends after a fight over Pizza Hut versus Domino's. It was a real fight. And I've been a fan of him as a person and a comedian ever since. You might have seen him on one of his eight Tonight Show appearances, I think that might be a record of some kind. Uh, i <laughs> take that off my bio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or on his own Comedy Central half-hour special. His album Thick Noon is available through their record label, and it's great. You should buy it. His brand-new special entitled Folk Hero, currently running on Netflix. Stream it. Watch it. It's hilarious. He's also brought his A-game to the acting department with great, fantastic turns in movies like Extract and Knocked Up, and television shows like Happy Endings and Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. But he's here now, Nick Thune. Hey. hey. We got through hey, it. Hey, we got, yeah. And I was, I, when we talked about that fight that we had the other day, we made up in an elevator. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did. Which Here, is such a, t- a confined place where you really have nothing but to face everything. You know, like there's nothing around <laughs> you. We, yeah. There, the, if, we, if we hadn't gotten in that elevator, that might have never got mended. I totally agree with that <laughs> because before we talk about the, the makeup, let me just tell the listeners really quick what happened. We were at a, we were at a, a show. We were both opening for Christian Finnegan on his yeah. college tour for Comedy Central. And they every college we went to was like the worst food. They they would give you like this this platter of like slimy cold cuts. And they're like the sixth night of that in a row. And I don't eat mayo. So yeah. that, there's mayo on everything they give you. So I'm just sitting there. Yeah, w- yeah, there's either mayo on it already or it's like make your own. And the only way to make this taste good is by masking it with something like yeah. mayo. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and we were going to order pizza because we were like, fuck this. We've had enough. Mm-hmm. We gave this kid money. Can you go get us a large whatever from Pizza Hut? The kid came back. He goes, we don't have Pizza Hut. We only have Domino's. And I said, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> the problem was it was my money. Nick didn't have any money. <laughs> and he was like, just order the Domino's, man. And I was like, I don't want Domino's. I don't like it. And you were like, pizza's pizza. And I was like, that's like saying a Big Mac is the same as a Whopper. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, you know, when you're on the road... <laughs> hostility you're waiting on people at the airport you know things start to yeah can go set you know that wasn't about pizza that was about that was about our family that was about our families that was about our <laughs> egos who's opening for who and who, who knows was, what it was yeah it's a lot it's a lot of road things happening <laughs> yeah. i can't drink another fucking jamba juice i'm gonna kill myself and then we ended up in the elevator as you brought up and that's where the makeup happened because you were right it is you're in this close little quartered you know a tin box or whatever and you have to you have to address it in some way otherwise you're just not human i mean it's almost like in the movie drive when he reaches over and kisses that girl and then smashes that guy's face into the ground (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like he had to give her that you know you're you're trapped everything's happening in that small space yeah is that it's it's all there that's your universe for (laughs) i was like 20 seconds i feel like i was like the girl and you were like gosling (laughs) <laughs> in really? Our, in our situation, yeah. Did you, see? I feel like mm-hmm. you were like Gosling, and I was like the girl because you broke the ice in the elevator. You were. I I, oh, I remember okay, this. Yeah. This is why it was such a big moment for mm-hmm. as we talked about the other night at the bar. I was Gosling. Friendship. You were Gosling. You were looking down. We were both looking down because you're. It's awkward. <laughs> and you did the whole like you put like your hands on your hips and and like kind of looked at the wall and you were like, hey man. I'm sorry about that whole pizza thing. Like, in only the way like a man apologizes, where you know we kind of look off. Yeah. Like it's it's awkward or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, it's it's okay. And then we made up. So I. What I are we put- biting about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both got a job. We're getting who knows what a grand a show right now. Yeah. It was, Let's you know, enjoy our life. We we're having a nice time. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> we're having a nice time. But uh, I'm I'm so I'm so happy you're here, and I'm so happy that we're still in contact, yeah, and, uh, and that we're friends. You know what I loved about those tours too? It was no stress. Yeah, you know I know that's like kind of the middling thing anyway, but it was fun to be with friends and not worried about who's doing how much time, and you know mm-hmm. having to close a show out and be alone at a college because you, when you're alone at a college, that's yeah. I often get wonder. Dark. I I wonder like. You know, when I'm on the road headlining like a club or something, I often think to myself, would I rather, I obviously realize that headlining the club is better for my career, but I wonder, would I rather be here headlining the club? Would I rather be doing, you know, in a situation. Opening for somebody in a theater or something. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Because at the club, you get to do an hour. You talk about whatever you want. It's your show. Yeah. Theater, 15 minutes. 
in, Easy. out, don't fuck around. Not as much money, but still good money if it's a good, you're opening for somebody good. Mm -hmm. Some people get those op like opportunities to open for big people a lot more. It's fun to watch, like when you get to do it, I, I always do it in Seattle because right. I hate headlining in my hometown, but it's nice, like I did open for Jimmy Fallon there and it was, you get to play a That's big nice. show yeah. and it looks great to your friends and family. Yeah. And then you don't have to be like trying to get your cousin, you know, it's just like, yeah. I yeah. can't, it's, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that's nice. Mm -hmm. But I mean, this actually takes us nicely into the topic, topic of yeah, discussion. Yeah. Um, what is your perspective when you're out there on the road? Is it, is it a more optimistic one where you focus on, I'm getting to do what I love, I'm getting to practice my craft, and I'm getting paid for it? Or is it the pessimistic of... It's a real Jekyll and Hyde, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> it, because I remember I was recently I was in... Raleigh, North Carolina, mm -hmm. doing Good Nights. Right. You've done that? Yes. Years ago, but I... I, I it's opened. new now. I oh, opened yeah. for Louis C.K. there at New Year's. Like, oh, as, wow. As his star was shooting, like, into space. Like, mm -hmm. he hadn't... He either had just started doing theaters or he hadn't quite yet started doing theaters, mm -hmm. but he was selling out, like, six shows at clubs every weekend. Just right it, at the cusp, yeah. This was it. It was, like, it was about to... And he was doing break. his new stuff. It wasn't like his old, it was abstract. The, no, it was the well. It was it was the it was the tour where he was warming up for the special where he opens up with like where he goes. All right, faggot. I called that guy a faggot. I, we, yeah. we we can't say faggot anymore. It was that. Okay. It was all that material. Yeah. And it was. I was like, Jesus, this guy's really doing some ballsy shit, man. Like. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty fun. That's a pretty fun time to be around him. I remember seeing him in Aspen, and it was like right then, like everybody was like, "Yeah, he's been around," but now it's different. Right? You yeah, know? it's it's it was right. That it's always interesting seeing that moment where you're like, mm -hmm. "Man, they're one foot in and out the door right now. They're they're halfway in through the fame threshold. Yeah, it's about to go full throttle in like two seconds. You know. But anyway, you, you, it, good nights. No, the Jekyll. But the, here's here's it. Like I booked a commercial, right? And mm -hmm. so I'm like on the phone on the way to a gig and all this great stuff's happening. It was just right. great for my family, like money to some, you know, for my kid, blah, blah, blah. So you feel like, you know what, man, all this time on the road that sucked mm -hmm. got me this opportunity to do this gig, right. this Honda gig. Right. And that's what makes it worth it. The times when you're annoyed, you know, and you get mm -hmm. these real optimistic like blast moments and then you go up and the manager sucks and the opener's not doing it right. Mm -hmm. And and then you're like, you get down on it, and you think, what am I even getting? How could I be angry at the fact that I'm being right. paid to do this? Right. I know it's 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 such a tricky, it's such a tricky thing because I totally agree with that. I have times where I slap myself in the face, metaphorically, and go, "What are you doing? Why are you angry that the manager of whatever room you're in said?" we need you to stick to 45 minutes on this show and not 55. Oh. And now you have to figure out how to pull whatever jokes out. Why I had a manager say that to me, by the way, last week. Uh -huh. and, and then I found out that they did that because they did a, put themselves in to do a five minute guest spot. Are you kidding? No. And he, the way he presented it to me, he said, <laughs> he said, uh, Hey, uh, we're going to give a guy a five. After he said, we're going to have to have you go a little shorter on the first show. Right. And he goes, by the way, we're going to give a guy a guest spot. And I go, okay, is he funny? And he said, yeah, turns out that was the guy. He was doing a bit there. Now, that's perfect. <laughs> that you couldn't, you couldn't have said a more perfect story, and yeah. here's why. As I'm saying to myself, you can't be mad that they need you to make some adjustments. It's a privilege that you're even getting to do this. 
the other side of my brain is going, no, they're fucking you in some way. You just haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. And then you tell the exact story of, you go, okay, it's fine. I'm not going to be a douche. Who cares? I'm, it's dream jobs. Give the guy five minutes, whatever. Yeah, and then you find out the guy cutting your time is the guy doing the five minutes. That's perfect. <laughs> it was, and uh, there's so many excuses to, this is a big, and I've actually made a big turn in the last year because we all go, uh, the, the optimistic, pessimistic thing. Right. My wife is very pessimistic, and I'm very outwardly optimistic. Sometimes internally it can be very pessimistic, and I don't show it. Very interesting because when you texted me you wanted to talk about this, mm -hmm. you said this is a discussion my wife and I have frequently. Yeah. I immediately assumed she's the optimist, you were the pessimist. Only because of male female. She is so much darker than me. Really? <laughs> and, you know, her dad died when she was young and I think all these things like have created this callus that I like and is great. And it's hard to get through, which was what, probably what drove me to her so much. But <laughs> right. um, her outlook on things is just if, some, if our son coughs, her first thing is like, he's got whooping cough. Where in my head, I'm like, okay, you can't right. go that far. You can't go right. from that little cough that he just did to whooping cough. Right. Because you, now you're bumming me out. Because now that's in my head. <laughs> you can't bring your dark, just like show your darkness to everybody. <laughs> and I, I, love, I love this Towns Van Zant lyric where he says, there, there ain't no dark until something shines. Mm -hmm. And so like, then I think about that with like, if you were to look at optimism, like, light and mm -hmm. pessimistic like pessimism like darkness there's no such thing as pessimism if you're if you you have to be optimistic to even have that right right to know how deep the well goes you need to know where the top's at right right i, guess. I, well, I totally agree. i think they go hand in hand and i absolutely think one can't exist without the other mm -hmm. um my friend uh scott who i grew up with who's basically like a brother at this i've known him for 36 mm -hmm. years uh he always says we talk a lot about depression how we suffer from bouts with depression uh, and he says, you know, I know people say depression's bad, and I know people tell me that I shouldn't allow myself to succumb to it, but those people are idiots. You can only know utter happiness if you know absolute heartache. Yeah. Um, and he's somebody I know that even though he goes into the dark depths of that well, he is one of the most like motivated and fun people you could ever be around when it's time to like party when he's there when he's there it's the greatest and when he's down hey he's down he's not like i can't get out of bed down yeah but he gets down the same way i do so i think it's the same thing with optimism and pessimism i think um you can't feel that sort of i don't know pessimism to me is almost like your danger barometer uh and it becomes pessimism when that barometer gets a little off and it and it yep. gets it gets the needle gets shot over to a hundred too quickly, like you're saying with the whooping cough thing. Mm -hmm. um, but also, optimism can be equally as dangerous. I think so too. I think this this was a turning point in my life, and it's actually happened more when I look back on it. Mm -hmm. um, but it would have been a negative thing for me. Two things actually here. So when I went and saw Big when I was a kid with Tom Hanks, yeah, I walked out of the theater and said out loud, "I want to be Tom Hanks." Yeah. And nobody looked at me and said what every other kid probably hears when they say they want to be an actor. It's a one in a million shot. Chances are so slim. Right. No one even probably even cared enough to even respond to what I was saying. Right. But nobody shot it down. And so I never saw anything as being unreachable in, right. a, in, a, in a weird way. I think that I just had this. I felt special and I felt I could get anything. And it was, and I think it, maybe it's the way my grandma made me feel. She sure. always told me how special I was. But like. That was a big thing. 
And then as I grow up, I tend to let these negative things come in more. I think that happens when you get older. You you lose a little bit of that youth, optimistic, whatever. But sure, I had this. Somebody told me one time. Every time you get a negative comment, mm-hmm. you need nine positive comments to make up for it. You know, whether you read a bad review or mm-hmm. somebody says, you know, whatever. God, and I was talking about that to somebody and they said, you know, I just want to say that that's bullshit because you're saying that somebody that you love saying something nice is one ninth as powerful as somebody you don't even know saying something negative. Well, that's so funny. It's because recently I had an experience where I did two shows in a night. Mm-hmm. My second show didn't go very well. And I was very upset. Mm-hmm. I was really, really beating myself up. No one else it. probably knew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, somebody in the, this is when you know that you were correct in the way you felt. A kid in the audience came up to me who was a fan. Right there, when, when you have a fan at a show and you didn't, you know, it wasn't a show you promoted, you just went out and did a show and then there happens to be a guy there that looked up on the internet and saw and went. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have a good show. That's like failing in front of your kids, it feels like. You're just like, dude, please, like, come to another show. I can do better. I, I didn't invite you here because I was working on material, whatever. You know what I mean? So anyway, that kid came up to me and goes, that was great, dude. And I go, eh, I'm glad you thought so. And he goes, no, the crowd wasn't receptive, but it was great. Mm-hmm. Which in its own way was very nice. But I was like, but that's a real fan, though. They should enjoy yeah. a, a show that you're struggling on just as much as a show that you do well on. Like, the, I, I don't even pay attention. I, I realize that when I love musicians, I walk out and I just assume that everybody had the best fucking time. That's, and then I'll yeah. be like to the person I'm with, I'll be like, God, what about that? And he's like, it was good. It went a little long. And I was like, whoa, you were feeling these negative thoughts? I thought we were all in this positive place. And why can't, he, and, and this is why I'm more pessimist than optimist. Why can't I apply that? I know exactly what mm-hmm. you mean. I met Craig Wedren from Shudder to Think once, mm-hmm. one of my favorite bands of all time. I met him once at an acoustic show he did in Austin. And I went up to him after and I go, I love your music so much. I saw you on the Shutter to Think, I think it was the 20th or 25th anniversary show in New York that you guys did. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, sorry, man, that was a lousy show. And I go, what? It was amazing. What are you talking about? And then he went on about like what he thought could have been better. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, I-, I don't know. And I can't apply that to myself. I don't have a high enough mm-hmm. self-esteem to ever imagine that somebody might look yeah. at me that way and go, Hey, dude, I liked it. I'm just, I like your stuff. Yeah, and you don't realize the backpedaling that you're doing. It, not that it looks bad. It's just, just, that's why I've learned, and just say thanks. But right. I had a guy that, <laughs> I went to Amsterdam, and I made the mistake of getting too stoned the night before my show. Right. Which, in a way, ruined the next day of my life. I've never had weed like that before, and the show wasn't that good. I was in, in Amsterdam. The guy that books the show told me a funny kind of anecdote that no shows are good in Amsterdam. Every musician, every comedian they're all so stoned that they can't perform and so you get like one out of 20 shows is decent worst part of my life was in amsterdam on television oh god on television yeah. not because i was stoned because they did not like me well i wasn't stoned either i was hung over <laughs> from being stoned which i didn't even know was a thing <laughs> right. they're a tough crowd though i think they're very tough mm-hmm. here's why just a quick side note because what they everybody tells you when you get to amsterdam is they speak english speak freely speak freely what they don't tell you or really specify is and it's obvious but when everybody's going, they speak English, just speak freely. What they're not saying is, well, it is their second language. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the nuances of your language oh. are, will not translate, which is where so much of the humor is. 
So then you're up there just doing your like Americans mm-hmm. thing, and then they're, dude, on TV, opening joke. I go, a homeless guy came up to me outside and asked me for a dollar. Right away, you're fucked. I said, dollar. Yeah. Cause I, cause, and are there homeless people there? Yeah. Because <laughs> I was so hung up on they yeah. speak English. I, mm-hmm. So anyway, th- it was a bad bomb. Bad, yeah. bad bomb. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of those ones if you would have just changed it, asked for money. Yep. You Didn't know, think of it. Money is something they have. Didn't think of it. Could have used that yeah. tip. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's even in Canada sometimes. Like I had a DiGiorno reference and they're like, it's Desario here. It's not DiGiorno. Right. Same thing. Same everything. It's just. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> Dejaria. Just change the, no- the name to be annoying. But no back reason. to this. So this guy yeah. comes up to me and he says, um, I thought you were going to do more new stuff. And I said, first of all, stop watching all my stuff. <laughs> I, I said, second of all, you live in Europe and you've seen everything I've done. That's not normal. So you can't like hold these expectations on me. <laughs> And you could have just enjoyed the show. I came to you. I came across the seas to do the show. Right. How about, hey, Nick, good show. Right, right. And then later, tell your buddy, yeah, I was hoping for more new stuff. Right, right, right. What did he say? He just kind of like took it in. My wife was next <laughs> to me. My wife was like, are you psychotic? Like, why do you feel like you can just talk openly to anybody <laughs> about what's right and wrong? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think that's, I think that's fucking amazing. That uh, actually goes to where most of my optimism gets shattered. And I think that right. I have optimism in morals. And I, and I want everybody, and I feel like it's a good world, and we're all, we all live by this, and then we don't. It's morals uh, are the worst place to have optimism because that's where I have mine too. My, you know, people say, I, I get very um, defensive when people refer to my act as angry. People go, God, this guy, he's so mad on stage. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not mad. I'm not mad on stage. Mm-hmm. I'm annoyed on stage. Well, he does a thing where he hates people. No, no, no. I don't know. I'm talking from the perspective of somebody that had a belief in something that feels very let down by it. Yes. Those are very different things. Mm-hmm. And it's because of optimism in morality, in my own and other people's. Yeah. And then it gets shattered. And, you know, I think it's I think a, a better word for me personally would be ethics. Yeah. Um, you know, I I demand uh, accountability far too often and it's a it's a futile it. fight it's futile then my, that's my wife has a pessimism in that where she's like you can't hold people to this right and wrong thing that you have of the, the right way for the clerk to treat you you, you know like I, the other day at a place i was at a juice place and people in front of me ordered a juice and then afterwards the lady behind the counter they just they just got this new gelato in and she said hey do you want to tr- test some gelatos to the girl in front of me and she goes, sure. And she's like, oh, you can test all of them if you want. She goes over there and she's, she's the only one working. And she's now grabbing single spoons out of 20. And the girl looked over. And I was just there like, are you kidding me? Help me. Right. Get my order. Get it going. Right. And then let her sample some stuff. Exactly. Yeah. The girl, this is when, when, this is when somebody is like good. The girl that is having the samples looks over at me and looks at her and goes, hey, how about we do this after you help the customer over there? Right. And she was like, oh, okay. And in and, and that situation, yes, somebody on the other side didn't get what's right and wrong. Right. But the fact that somebody helped me, you know, in a that's weird amazing. way, that's when it comes true. And I tell my wife, I'm like, that just happened. Right. Yeah. Well, when it <laughs> happens, it, it. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, this is, this is the whole trick with it is when it happens, it, you know, as you're saying, kind of rejuvenates your faith in it. Uh, or when it happens, it's the thing that you reference 
because you so so you never let go of that you know clinging to it or whatever <sighs> but it doesn't happen very often see i'm the opposite of your wife i'm a lot more like you mm -hmm. i get very angry when someone treats me without respect when someone when i see somebody treat somebody else without respect oh. i i i yell dude i i have countless stories and about you butt me. into things that aren't for you all the time yeah all the time it's i've melt i've had i've so many stories i'm better at it now because it honestly over the years it cost me a few girls and whatever but i've i've had countless meltdowns in public mm -hmm. stores dealing with cu customer service because i don't fucking care i've gotten so much more chill about it especially because yeah, because airport etiquette you learn that the more chill you are you will get your way yeah and they can give you your way and they also don't have to right and if yeah. you give them the attitude yeah, well, I got into a bad habit for many years of saying, I used to work in customer service. I know you can do this. You just don't feel like doing it. And that's mm -hmm. such a confrontational yeah. oh, stance. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, fuck you. I, I, I cooled out with airport stuff because uh, I was flying to Canada once. I find Air Canada to be one of the most reprehensible airlines. Yeah, I mean, I, they're terrible. Um, and I was flying to Canada once, and... Um, I got into such an argument with the clerk at the at the Air Canada desk. I was yelling so much that the guy just goes, "Listen to me. I'm going to take you off of this flight and you will not go to Canada." How about that? And I had to go to do just for laughs. And I was like, "Shit. I'm going to fuck like a career thing up. I got to and I just had to walk away." Yeah. And after that I was like, "You know what, man? I'm not doing that it's anymore." It's not worth it. Like it's just not it's but I can't help. I feel like a Fire, dude when somebody acts without accountability because of my optimism in the ethics of others perfect situation the other day i live on the second steepest hill in los angeles and i live right by dodger stadium and so they put up a sign that says local traffic only people aren't allowed to park on our street but they do to walk to the game and right. it's fine i've got two parking spots i'm not worried about it right bothers me because it's not right right but the, the hill is really steep and sometimes from my balcony i'll watch people actually hit the cars in front of them trying to get out of their parking spot because it gets slippery in this one spot sure and like tires will just kind of spin out and they just slide into a car or a tree and this car was about to do that and there was a guy like a buddy out of the car helping him back up and i pulled up next to him and rolled my window down and i said hey guys um you should probably park at the top i've i've seen people like do real damage to their car parking here before right and he goes oh no shit sherlock the guy outside of the car and i looked at him and i said oh I'm sorry. I was <laughs> just trying to help you. And then, and then he realized what he said and was like, uh, oh, yeah, thanks, man. We're, you know, like he actually tried to turn it on and it, I'd already hit the gas and I was just like, fuck you. No, fuck that guy. That, seriously, fuck you. I just tried to help you. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that guy. That's a, that's a real, uh, that, that flip-flop is a real West Coasty thing, I've mm -hmm. noticed. That's sort of like, I'm going to say the mean thing then right after it, I'm going to either backpedal and say the thing I should have said, or I'll laugh and try to pretend like I'm joking. Um, because I got really used to the New York mentality, uh, which is also why I've cooled my jets a bit. Moving out of New York had a lot to do with it. But I got used to the New York mentality, where if that guy said to you, no shit, Sherlock, he was saying like, and what else do you fucking have for me? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, then you react. And then he reacts. Well, dude, my mentality... And, you know, 
because I try and stay a nice guy as much as possible. Right. There is something deep down inside of me that wanted to open my car door into that guy and kick him in the fucking face. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 driving away was like, just hold it in. Yeah. Hold in this rage. <laughs> Don't let it out. You let it out. It's too, you know you. You've controlled it for years. You can keep it. You can keep it in. I've got so much of that bottled up. Uh, Dude, a guy fucking walked behind my wife at a at a at a concert uh-huh. and grabbed her hair and sniffed it with his buddy, like a thing. And I seriously grabbed the back of his collar and yanked collared him back. Like surprised the shit out of him, my my wife, my friend that was with me who saw it happen and saw how disrespectful it was. And then I realized what I did and I just let go and I said I'm sorry. No, fuck. Don't that. do that. You can't. You can't touch other people, and you just touch my wife. Right. And, and uh, I'm gonna back out of this right now. Right. Because I'm coming in pretty intense. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you're absolutely right to do what you did. Absolutely it, right. I have a I have a bit in my act right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a story I tell about. I don't want to blow the. I'm, I want to save it for when I record my next yeah. thing. But there's a line in the story because it's about all this type of stuff mm-hmm. where I say. Whatever happened to punching a guy in his fucking face? And almost without fail... The law system. When I Well, yeah. <laughs> but just the kind of, like, idea of, like... I don't... You know, like, why don't we step outside? That whole mentality that, you know, or that... that, that, that it was a... It was a practice. Yeah. It was a thing, <clears throat> excuse me, that people used to practice. You're out of line right now. Let's go outside and take care of this. I wouldn't even do that. I would do... I, I'm the type of guy that would headbutt somebody. And not, and not because I'm a good fighter or anything, but because I have these little bursts of rage that I can't... Oh. It will go bad. Well, here's my question then. <laughs> because this is, I think, where you and I differ as far as like a world perspective is concerned. Uh, how does this affect your optimism or your pessimism? How do you not carry it... How do you not walk around day to day going, that guy touched my hair or my wife's hair. There are a million other guys out there that would do the mm. same or worse. Fuck it. Yeah. Fuck guys. You because know what I, I mean? realize my problem and how un how uncontrollable it is. I can't control that those people. Just last week in Atlanta with Al Madrigal, Al has temper, and I've seen it. I've seen it come out of him three times, mm-hmm. and we always laugh about these situations. Well, he's almost gotten in three fights in front of me, and those are the only three fights he's almost gotten in, and I happen to just be there at the right place at the right time. Right. But in Atlanta, a guy touched my shirt inside the bar, a drunk guy. And really, this was a, a drunk Southern guy who was like probably a little, a little gay, and this was when he comes out of him. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what Al kind of saw in it. Right. But um, I just, he, and then Al afterwards goes, why did that guy touch your shirt? And I was like, well, I don't know. I think, he was, I think he's just drunk. And he said he liked my shirt. And he's like, well, people can't touch your shirt. You, you shouldn't let a guy touch your shirt. Let me go outside. The same guy comes by me. In what way did he touch your shirt? It was, it was disrespectful. Like, what, like, like sh- show me on your shirt what he did. He just reached over and grabbed my shirt. Oh, like grabbed yeah, it? Yeah, grabbed it and like oh, pulled okay. it. And was like, I like your shirt. Oh, okay, grabbed it. And okay, then that's different. All right. we're outside and the guy walks behind me puts his hand on my head and pats my head and runs his hand through my hair and then keeps walking. And Al just stood up and goes, you can't fucking do that. You can't touch people. You can't touch. And I was like, then I'm realizing this drunk, huge guy and Al, this guy was bigger than me and Al. And I was like, hey, Al, he's, he's drunk, man. Let's. And I simmered Al down and the guy was like, and the guy's friends came over and were like, hey, we're sorry. He's really drunk. Right. And the guy was next thing you know, laying down on the ground over on the side of the patio. <laughs> 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 but Al, I mean, it's I, so funny. But my reaction there, I didn't have the rage there. 
because I think I've dealt with it a lot. I think that like that guy pulling the guy's collar and wanting to fight. I think that was in my past. I hope a lot of it. A lot of it, I think, has to. Well, I don't know if this is true for you or not, but for me, a lot of it has to do with my day. A lot of it has to do with the trajectory of events throughout the day. If I'm having a nice day, I'm willing to put up with a lot more bullshit. Yeah. You know, if you're having one of those days, you wake up, sun shining, you hop in the car, you drive to Amoeba, they have every CD you were looking for. <laughs> you know what I mean? You get your favorite yeah. sandwich for lunch. Mm -hmm. uh, you got a date later. It's like if everything's going right, I, I'm in a great place. I always say like on a you know, first date, that's like optimal me that's mm -hmm. the best version of myself and i often get anxiety uh after a first date with a girl or even on a first date because i'll say to myself she's seeing such a joyous version of oh, me yeah. i'm so scared to like show her there's this other side that's a little darker than this and mm -hmm. and it's not a ever a violent side it's just a darker side you know what i mean yeah, uh, it's it's weird because the, the feeling during dates and that there's an optimistic, pessimistic look at that too. I remember leaving a date and having talked too much and just like leaving like, God, I'm a fucking idiot. Like, why did I, she sat there and I probably sounded like a jackass the whole time talking mm -hmm. about myself, blah, blah, blah. When really she's actually, if you look at it the right way, I think the optimistic way is she left feeling so good about that date because she didn't talk and she listened. Right. And so she left like, oh, man, this guy probably thinks I'm a good listener. You think that's the case, though? I, 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 I because, like to think so. <laughs> well, that's that's I, I love that you said that because I'm so torn by what you just said, because part of me is like, he's right. That's a nice way to think. And then the other part of me is going, nah, that's just the way you bullshit. Because yourself. were you psychotic, though? Because think about it when you've done the listening in a day before, when you've laughed like, holy shit. I am in a good spot right now because I listened She's got a great body. Yeah. I think something might work out here. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, sometimes. Why isn't she thinking that? But there are other times when I've walked away going, that girl wouldn't shut and the Well, that's, up. oh, yeah, but that's when it's a bad girl, though. <laughs> and you're not a bad guy. I mean, right. I don't you, think so. No. Who I don't knows? think so. I don't we think, could be. We could be. I don't think the you're most a bad boring, guy either. fucking horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, but you know what? With the whole we're not bad guys thing, and, and mm -hmm. well, then they must not look at us that way because we're not bad guys. Then I stop and think. Well, how many fucking idiots have I gone out with that have yeah. a bunch of friends that love them? Oh my God, am I one of those people? Mm -hmm. Dude, I mean, it's, we, we, we hit, I think you and I ride along this optimism, pessimism road, neck mm -hmm. and neck, but there's a fork very late in the road where we split off. Yeah. I think a lot of other people would split much, much, much sooner in that road. We kind of part off at the very end. And I think what it is, is we both have these sort of, control and accountability issues with other people uh we both have a certain amount of anger or rage that goes along with that when those when those uh standards aren't met <clears throat> excuse me um and we both have some of the same insecurities but we fork because i think you're the guy that then processes all that at the end of the day in a more positive way mm -hmm. and i and i possibly process it in a little more negative way or which is why yeah. I quit smoking as much pot as I was smoking at one point. Because it was too much in here? Because then it goes, it's a lot of net. You start questioning a sentence you said to somebody three days ago. And you're like, yeah. why did I say that? And you're like, why am I even thinking about what I said three days ago? They're not thinking about it. Why does pot Stop do being that? fucking crazy. Why does, Stop being yeah. crazy. Why does pot do that? <laughs> it's anxiety. This is actually something I just thought of too. This way of looking at performing. 
in the feeling in your body, like before you do a TV set or something, I, I came to this realization of somebody told it to me and, and, and it didn't really click until this moment of anxiety and anticipation are very similar thoughts and feelings in your body. Absolutely. And your brain, the way that you choose to feel that feeling is what how you discern it. Right. So like if you tell yourself that you're anxious, you're anxious. Right. If you tell yourself you're anticipating and you're excited, then that's the same feeling and you're controlling the yeah, the way that you're accepting it. I've I've heard um <coughs> this is so funny what I'm about to say. I don't mean because it's so funny. I mean because it's going to make me look so dumb. Uh <laughs> I was literally just about to say I've heard that same you know, uh uh philosophy applied to like fighting uh like fear is only fear if you let it be identified as fear what it actually is 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 awareness or whatever and then i realized no i didn't hear that that was in the trailer for that will smith after earth movie (laughs) (laughs) that's where i heard that uh so but anyway um i uh i want to go back to the story i was telling much earlier because i realized i didn't finish it and i'd love to hear how you would process yeah this uh now that we've established where we sort of fork off um so i do the show nice kid comes up to me amsterdam no no, no, this this is is... the one uh when i said the where was the show just so i have an understanding of location it was uh at a spot in town here okay A, a spot that i like very much i'm only hesitant because i don't want in any way to be interpreted that i'm somehow blaming the place i'm not yeah yeah yeah. it just it just wasn't a great show for me at least um kid comes up crowd wasn't receptive but you were good that kind of confirms oh my worst fears are true i didn't have that good of a show uh at least as far as the crowd was concerned so i go home i'm ripping my hair out why because you just do that's what performers do at times and also too i'm new in la i've been here for seven months you want every experience to be... You're over the honeymoon, though. You know, yeah. that's what that kind of moment was, too. Yeah, well, that's a great way of putting it. Mm-hmm. And that's, see, and that's such a more positive way to think of it, or an optimistic... I love in the intro, I said, I hate that these things get equated to positive and negative, and that's all I've done the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, that's a much more optimistic way to look at it. Hey, man, you're over the honeymoon. You had a great run of flawless... Not flawless, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sweetheart performances. And then now you had a bad one. It's going to happen. Life. And then the next one's going to, yeah. Right. And I didn't look at it that way. I mm-hmm. only looked at it as. You're done. You're new in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're new in this town. You fucked up and well, crazy. <laughs> Extremes, yeah. right? Yeah. So I call my friend up and I'm venting and I'm just like, can you please just talk me off this ledge? I know I'm being a little crazy. And I tell him the whole story and he goes, dude, it's fine, man. Like you're a comic. You, you, you just didn't have a great show. Mm-hmm. This is a non-comic you're talking to? Uh, yeah. yeah. It was a non-comic with somebody in the business that mm-hmm. I was like, that had good perspective on a situation like this. And then he goes, how was the rest of your night? And I go, oh, it was good. I did another show and I, I really had an amazing set. And uh, I met Jonathan Silverman from Weekend at Bernie's after. I love that guy. And uh, he really <laughs> liked me a lot. He said I was real funny. <laughs> and my friend goes, that happened tonight? And all you're talking about yeah. is this other? And I go, dude, I know. It's fucked up. Because that other thing was the latter. Mm-hmm. That happened after. So that's what's in my head right now. And that goes back to the whole thing I'm talking about, about you know your approach to the situation, optimistic or pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Well, depends on the day. Having a great day, just leaving the Jonathan Silverman set, 
<laughs> you know, where one of your childhood heroes comes <laughs> up and says you're real funny. Yay! It's guy dents my car. Who gives a shit, buddy? We'll work it out. Yeah, no, you're right. You know? It goes it goes along. There's also those moments in a day, and I'm gonna come back to that story, but I remember this thought I had earlier. When you are having a, a tough day, because I don't think I have depression. I think I have a serious case of the Mondays sometimes where like <laughs> a day will be bad. I'll be overwhelmed or whatever. And <laughs> but the um when you're kind of broken down from a bad day happening and then something bad happens and you just kinda of look over and you're just like God, what else? Fine. <laughs> right. Okay. You right. know what? Let's enjoy it. Let's, you know, let's laugh it off or whatever. Right. Well, I think that's and, a good, I think that's a good, strong place to get to sometimes. Mm-hmm. I really do. Like when I. And why can't you get there earlier though? That's the thing. Well, sometimes you can. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the positives of negativity, uh, in my opinion. Great book title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my my new one man show. The positives of negativity. I was talking with uh, uh, I was talking with Kurt Braunohler and his fiance the other night about good titles for like one woman shows. Mm-hmm. And I always said if I had a one woman show, I'd call it "Screaming with My Mouth Closed" because that sounds so much to me had, like a one woman show. You know, like bloggers that uh, put books out, tweet, yeah. tweet. You know, I had so the so a guy walked into a blog. I think is a great name for a book. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but here's the positive and negative. Oh, I, that would be my second one-woman show. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when I moved to L.A., perfect example. Uh, when I moved to L.A., I said to myself, guys, I really, I wish another helicopter could fly over right now. Is that the mm-hmm. 10th helicopter, or is there a murderer in my backyard? Probably. Right Jesus, God. Yeah. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but a helicopter is circling. Circling goddamn ghetto bird as ice cube calls him mm-hmm. um anyway when i moved to la i said to myself all right man you're going into a new world that you haven't truly experienced yet you visited Been it. here yeah yeah but now you're going in man and you're gonna go you're gonna have a writing job staff writing job on a late night show you've never done that before you're gonna live in los angeles you've never done that before you're gonna be neck deep in the comedy scene of los angeles with with the inability to escape back to new york you've never done that before yeah. uh and you're going to be up against this machine does that feel like a trap well it didn't feel like a trap but i just knew the machine i was theoretically up against and that mm-hmm. i had to try to become part of it and all i said to myself was i just kept going bring it on bring it on bring it on like i was so i was having visions of the darkest place my life could end up like coming out here you fuck up the job you get fired Mm -hmm. you're broke so broke you don't know what you're gonna do for money you can't get a show anywhere you don't have any friend i was like i was picturing worst case scenarios in my head and i just kept going bring it on it'll just make me stronger i know it's possible i don't think that's gonna happen but I know that could happen, and the fact that I'm facing it and coming to terms with it right now means if it does, I'll get through it and I'll be stronger for it. I think, and that's, yes, but you're also giving it this pessimistic side that that's even possible. Right. Whereas I, I have like a thing, like, you know, um, the, the, the idea of getting a job, like getting a job on a show, and then that show got canceled, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to think to yourself, ah, oh, shit, or you go, you get a job in a pilot and the pilot doesn't get picked up. Right. But my full belief is work begets work. 
you get a job yes. writing, you're going to get another job. You've Absolutely. already gotten a job. They want to hire somebody that's had a job before. It's no longer like, give this guy's first shot on the job. Absolutely. You know, and so that is, that's like the trickle down effect that I would focus more on that positivity of like, oh man, actually unstoppable now. It's happening. So then what's the difference? Um, what's the difference? Being naive? Well, yeah, between that mm-hmm. and and being the the guy that's like, oh, shucks, I love Hollywood, like counting his money as he walks down Sunset <laughs> Boulevard Club to the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, what's the difference between your perspective and that guy? And then also, what's the difference mm-hmm. between my perspective and the guy that's like, everything is shit? Because mm-hmm. there is a difference between those two yes. archetypal Well, figures. because you're seeing positivity. Everything is shit is somebody that's broken down, somebody that has been through it, not had an opportunity for a while. I see him on Facebook. They fave some stuff. They make comments every now and then. You know, in the comedy business, it's very upfront and in your face. You know how people are doing generally, and you know what they got. You know, do they have a show? Do they have this? Right. Are they still doing a certain type of show around town, or have right. they moved up? Right. And right. it's crazy, and there's only a few people that keep making that move, and we're lucky to be in that kind of group right now. Jesus. Um, I remember, I think it was Kyle Grooms, um, who was one of my earliest friends in comedy in New York. And um, I think it was him that said, I was like real down about it one night. And he goes, he goes, what are you down about, man? He goes, you realize you're in like the top 10 percentile of this business right now. He goes, yeah. dude, it's, it, he goes, New York and LA are the top pools in the world for comedy. Mm-hmm. And we're in world. one of them. Yeah. In the world. He goes, dude, there's comedy everywhere across this country, around the world. He goes, New York and L.A. are the top two, mm-hmm. and we're in one of them, and we're working in one of them. We're not just there. We're working regularly. We're and that's paid. the same thing that happens when you're on the road and you're having a shitty day, and you're like, I'm going to fucking headline a show tonight to people in a city right. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy that that is my, and it's, and that's the right perspective. Yeah. And it's it's funny because as, as, you know, as I sit here being the man that leans towards the, the the pessimistic side of things, that's exactly why I always get mad when I hear a comic go, well, I don't do the road. I don't fuck the road. Like, what are you oh, talking yeah. about? Or you'll hear somebody talk about, like, for instance, the San Fran punchline versus the Sacramento punchline, and they'll go, San Fran's way better. And I go, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Sacramento is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, it's not a club in the middle of San Francisco, you don't have the perk of 18 sandwich shops and amazing sushi and cool record stores everywhere, mm-hmm. but it's an amazing fucking club. And there is stuff like that there. You just have to be smart enough to find it. Yeah, you got to go. Yeah, yeah. you got to go find it. But, um, but yeah, I get, I, I get know that. I know that. Yeah, it's yeah. frustrating. Yeah, and it's like, dude, it, it, anywhere you go, I mean, obviously there are exceptions to every rule, but basically anywhere you go where people are eagerly giving money to a club, Who's then in turn giving money to you to when, watch you perform? Is it's that's that's an amazing. I was amazing in gift. Edmonton having those thoughts, like you know, performing at the same place that has the Mall of America, basically. The, yeah, the um, the comic strip. Yeah, it's one of the first clubs to ever headline me. Rick and uh, and his wife were mm-hmm. two of the, my oldest supporters. Yeah, they're awesome, and yeah. the club's great. I mean, you're in a mall, you kind of get and that. And I, got, and I went through depression though of like, God, I'm in this stupid mall. I'm stuck here and. And I just Googled water skiing. I just I was like, I got to do something radical right now to like bring me out of this slump of that I think my, everything sucks. And then an hour later, I was water skiing on a man-made lake in a guy's backyard for 50 bucks. 
and I was like, okay, so this is pretty cool that I can do. You know, and I like had to do something like that just to show myself. That's smart. That's, this is what you get. You're you're traveling the world. You yeah. can do anything. Yeah. yeah, you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. There's a great part in the Rush documentary, um, the Beyond the Lighted Stage that they that was made a few years ago, where they talk about road activities. Mm -hmm. and they talk about like you know man if you're on the road like you need to do more than just sit in your hotel room you're going to go crazy and they each have a thing they do neil pert is a motorcyclist mm -hmm. um uh, alex lifeson goffs and getty lee is like this baseball memorabilia enthusiast and that's how they spend their days like my big thing on the road mm -hmm. is is uh movies and meaning the concept of movies going to the movies seeking out like the coolest dvd blu-ray shops i can find yeah building the collection mm -hmm. music stores i love stuff like that that's mm -hmm. one of the first questions i ask where's like the cool music shop around here i go i try to find local stuff i was like I've never where's heard pour of. over coffee because i not i like i like good coffee mm -hmm. but if you find like a place that does pour over coffee or some sort of a really intense coffee shop yeah generally that's the neighborhood where the record store is going to be that's and, a great. Uh, I'm going to start doing that. That's and then, really smart. You see, then you kind of stumble upon a cool nook in a city because there's these like little nooks, you know, that yeah, kind of pop out. My other big one is I'll go. Uh, I'll say, uh, what what food's good? And they'll, you mm -hmm. know, usually they'll go. Well, if you like Italian, I go. No, 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 no. I, I love Italian. I love all kinds of food. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm saying, I'm in your city. What is the food that you have to eat before you leave this place? Yeah. And they'll go. Oh, we got this sandwich. We put baked beans and fries on top of ham or you know some fucking it's like in cleveland it's yeah. it's like corned beef and hash if you right like somebody will tell you like you got to go to this place and get their corned beef and that's like oh god yeah does food make you happy yeah so happy and right? now it's a bummer that no one else has in any city has this corned beef hash that i now want up for breakfast every day <laughs> you're better off you can't eat that for breakfast every day so good <laughs> dude it's delicious i uh <laughs> that's one of my great drugs and that's i get i get as they call it hangry uh, I mean, if I'm hungry, I get I get real fucking moody, and that is one of my great spirit lifters. My pessimism will turn to optimism. Is it cheating in food that you shouldn't be eating for health? Like, I now get does, pride in like finding good, healthy food on the road. Does cheating make me feel better? Like, yeah, with my spirits. You mean? Yeah. Um, I try I try not to do that anymore. I was big with that for a long, mm. long time. I've really, really tried since I've lived here to eat way better. I'm eating far less meat, yeah, way more vegetables, blah, blah, blah. So I try not to take the joy out of cheating that I used to, mm -hmm. but I still do take great joy in eating those cheat foods, like oh, if God. that makes any sense. Well, if you're like in Buffalo and you want to eat, you know. My buddies, my best friend's coming to visit me on Sunday for a week. Mm -hmm. I go, dude, I'm living like a fucking saint this whole week until you get here. Because when you get here, we're going off the rails. You guys going to go down to the, the Philly cheesesteak around the corner? Oh, dude, he's he lives in Atlanta, and he, <laughs> we're both from Philly. He's like, he can't wait to have, because that place, Booze yeah. and uh, and uh, Philly's Best are like mm -hmm. straight-up authentic Philly cheesesteaks. Yeah. yeah, he can't wait. I have garage pizza right there, mm -hmm. straight-up New York-style pizza. We're getting that. We'll be hitting that 24-hour McDonald's frequently. <laughs> we'll be drinking. We'll be smoking pot. It's going to be a great fucking time. Yeah. Like, you know, so, like, of course I'm looking forward to that. And, of course, like, my spirits are lifted by the thought of that. But I try in the day-to-day -day not, to, not to let my optimism be affected by food anymore. But it, it is just in the sense, like, even if I'm eating right, if I don't go without food, 
I eat and all of a sudden I'm, I feel good again. Like I'm ready. I can conquer something. Well, you know, know what else optimism has is this leadership quality of people want to follow an optimist. You know, somebody that's because you've got to have somebody around you that's like, hey, I know he just said all that stuff, but it's not really can't be that good, but it'll still be good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's a realist kind of within the group, but I, I, I lead this whole thing in my friends. We produce like short films. We've been all busy lately, but, and I'm kind of the, I took the whole group up to Sketchfest in San Francisco, rented a van, mm-hmm. got a U-Haul trailer and took 15 people up that helped me make the show. Some comedians, some just friends. And the whole trip was amazing. Airbnb to mansion. Everybody paid 200 bucks for the whole weekend. Oh, that's great. It was ridiculous. And all of it, has, there has to be a guy in the forefront yeah, that is excited and optimistic, even if maybe he gets in his room and he takes a breath and he's like, fuck, man, I don't know if we can do this. Yeah, you totally, know? totally. Well, I think, um, I think optimism and leadership is an important thing. I also think, though, I mean, you call it pessimism. You know, we, we, we talk about George Carlin quite a bit on this podcast because of how much I love him as a comedian. And... Um, you know, he's a guy that would always say, you know, scratch a pessimist, you'll find a realist, I think mm-hmm. is the expression. And how he never looked at his perspective as pessimistic, but more as just a realistic one. Um, uh, because he was always somebody that said he removed himself from the fight. He was just an observer. And the second he stopped caring about the outcome, mm-hmm. that was the second his life got easier, I guess, you know? Um but I think a guy like that, that was the personality type that I was attracted to Yeah, as a younger person, as somebody who was very angsty and whatever. And, uh, you know, just for simplicity. And smart. Well, smart, yeah. That's, that's, to me, that's the educated route, actually. Right. Well, but, and also, I think it's also, you could say, is the flip side of the coin of the optimistic leader that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. He's not the guy that's going to go, okay, gang, everything's great. Love you guys. Smile, fun, hugs. He's the guy that's like, this is bullshit. I'm going to tell you why it's bullshit. And then you kind of want to follow that guy. But nobody wants to follow the guy that's raining the bullshit down on you directly. You know what I mean? Like, hey, gang, whip it into shape because fuck Mm -hmm. that guy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But you do want to follow the guy that's like, hey, guys, fuck the guy that told us to whip it into shape, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's an interesting kind of combo. And I think it's almost benefits to have one of each of those. Yeah, well, but that you know. person, the person saying fuck the whip it into shape guy is also give, is giving you the same uh, fulfillment and support and nurturing whatever that you need that the person that goes, hey, guys, it's not so bad. We don't mm-hmm. need to really whip it into shape. We just you're getting the same thing out of both yeah. of those people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's I mean? this one guy like, how'd you hear coach? We're fucked. We're not in shape. And they're like, yeah, of course we're in shape. That's just right. just telling us to whip it up. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> whip it. Whip it up. I think we have time for a couple questions. Uh, Ernie, how are we doing on time here? Perfect. 56 minutes, folks, and counting. This one's going to be right on the nose, I think. Uh, we usually take a few questions from the audience there. Uh, Nick, let me... Uh, what did I what did I have? They're on my phone here. Very organized. Technology is... The Apple folders is what makes it hard for me now because as, as much as I like that they have folders, I find myself having a hard time when I'm trying to quickly get to something. What folders? Like how you can make these little folders on the phone. Oh, yeah. Phone. Like, they're great, but when I'm I've trying to get quickly from one thing mm-hmm. to another, it's like, eh, you know? Okay. 
Here's a question. This is from, actually from a friend of mine from New York, uh, John Watt. You can follow him at at Friends Are Evil. Uh, optimism often leads to disappointment, but can pessimism ever result in a major payoff? Any examples? Well, I think that's an interesting question. Like, it it's obviously goes right in line, falls right in line with what we've been talking about, but optimism can lead to disappointment, just as pessimism mm-hmm. can lead to a payoff. I think, you know, we talked yeah. about the guy kind of foolishly walking down Sunset, the aw shucks guy, counting his money, thinking the world's a beautiful place, and then he gets clubbed in his head and, and, he, and, and robbed of his wallet. Yeah, that's optimism leading to what I'd call disappointment. Uh, pessimism leading to the result of a major payoff? Absolutely. You know, uh, there's another saying, I, I, again, I know well, this. Well, then you don't, there's not a lot to be disappointed with at that point. So anything right. better than the worst is good, right? Well, that's true. I, yeah, I, I do agree with that. Um, I would also look at it in the sense of like the guy, a lot of people would call, you know, I, I, look, a lot, I think a lot of people would call some of our more radical leaders th- over the years pessimists. Because they were the people, when everybody else was singing and dancing, coming out and going, this is wrong. Things are fucked up. The hammer's about to fall. I mean, look, people said it about Hitler. Yeah. People said it about people that were against Hitler. You know, like Walter Winchell, I know, was somebody that spoke out very early on against Hitler. And people around him were like, dude, leave it alone. There's no yeah. proof of any of these allegations. They, uh, Chaplin also got fucking blackballed mm-hmm. for that stuff uh, in certain circles. So... I think in that case, when somebody's pointing at somebody and going, you're being pessimistic, no, I'm not, and then the hammer falls, well, yeah, guys, see, if everybody would have listened to me, the payoff would have been maybe preventing some of this stuff from happening. Well, also the pessimism, um, what was I, I had a good thought there. Well, this morning I went, I got a new car, and I got it two weeks ago. Is that when you drove up? Yeah. That's a nice truck. I got, yeah, well, Honda gave it, they gave me a car for the commercial I did. They gave you that? Yeah. Oh man, that is awesome! They're great. It was one of the best paychecks I've ever. But so <laughs> you I over that big truck. I was like, Nick drives a big truck like that. <laughs> day one, but I got it. Actually, it's day two. Day one, I got rear-ended, uh, and so then it's been in the shop now for two weeks. And I went to pick it up today, and on the way there, my wife and I in the car, the f- entrance to the freeway was closed, and I just go, really, the entrance to the freeway? Like, am I ever gonna get this truck? Am I ever gonna like get this thing? And she said. You're never going to enjoy your life. You could. It would be so easy to just relax and enjoy it. Right. But you're never going to. Right. Well, how does she feel about that ultimately? <laughs> does that affect her? Or does she just kind of go, well, I can't expect you to think the way I it, do. Because I have a tendency to go dark in those situations. Right. And woe is me. Right. Whereas she's just like, I think that actually pulls her out into more positivity, which she needs in her life. Nice. You know, I, I think, you know, because... Generally, I'm more, when I go that dark, that's when she realizes, like, oh, my God, he really has a dark hole in his head. That <laughs> It almost, to me, and I don't know your wife at all, so you obviously know her better than I do. Uh, but I, it almost, to me, sounds like maybe your wife isn't pessimistic. Maybe she's just somebody that says, I don't have any expectations. Yeah. Other than outside of the things I can immediately control. And that includes. And that's such a brilliant way to live. You know, Because yeah. I set so many expectations, right. and I don't tell people half the time. My manager tells me all the time. She's like, dude, get out of your fucking head and stop trying to control everything. Yeah. You have to relax. Mm-hmm. She goes, like, she'll be like, you realize you've told me the last five times we've spoken that you need me to do this thing. 
do you think I'm not doing it? And I'm like, no, 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 I think you're doing it. Well, then why are you telling me? I don't know, because stop telling me I'm doing yeah. it. And then you get out the phone, and you're like, oh, idiot. And yeah. that's like the first date. That's like when you leave a date and you said too much. I've talk. gotten off the phone with my manager and felt like that. I'd be like, I'm an asshole. I've texted him text before. Then you text him back. Like, sorry. Guys, I'm sorry. My, yeah. I just want you to know you're appreciated. <laughs> and I always like wonder what managers and agents say when they hang up with their clients. They're just like, oh, my God. Oh, that prick. That's my biggest fear. He is this guy. What is he, who does he think he is? And I've said, I've <laughs> said to my manager, I go, I never, ever want to be one of those clients where you see the phone ring and go, uh, do I have the energy for this right now? And not that I am, but she absolutely helps me in making sure yeah. I never become that person. But, uh, hey, all right. Uh, this one comes from Ken Malloy at K Malloy, M-A-L-L-O-Y underscore F-M-R. George Carlin and Frank Zappa were fairly pessimistic. They're asking because I always talk about Zappa and Carlin, Nick. Mm. Uh, do you sometimes retain a pessimistic outlook to do right by them? You know what's so funny? I kind of sometimes catch myself contradicting something I actually think because I'm afraid that if one of them heard me saying it, they'd be disappointed in me. Other things, not at all. For example, Frank Zappa was a big proponent of voting. I don't believe in voting. I don't do it. That's another podcast. Listen to the Ari Shafir one. That one had some fucking fireworks in it. Um, but... Uh, I don't believe in voting, and there's no part of me that's like, well, Frank Zappa knew I didn't vote. Would I, Maybe I should vote. But there are times with other things where I do think that. There are times when I find myself caring too much about, like, the outcome of a movement or something like that, and then I go, well, Carlin wouldn't care. Why do I care? And I start trying to... Yeah, But I, I wouldn't say that's trying to be pessimistic. I have a friend. I won't say his name, but he's a well-known musician, and I get obsessed with him a little bit. And I think that we have both a little of this in our personality where we both look up to each other for what we do because he, anyways, I've always wanted to be a musician. You know, I just, when I was young, I just would dream about singing, but I just right. don't have what it takes to take myself that seriously. Whereas this guy kind of can take himself a little too seriously mm -hmm. and he knows it. Um, but I found myself getting obsessed with doing things like him for whatever reason. I think we all like look up to somebody and we want to, you know, like you're saying about them. And then I realized like, oh no, that is not how I will be successful in my life ever is trying to do things like anybody. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Because then it's just coming out a false version of you can't, what will they think of this thing? What will they think if I do this? Or what will my fans think if I do a Honda commercial? You know, which I worried about. And then a close friend, someone you know too, a comedian was like, yeah, you could worry about that real small percentage um, or you could buy a fucking house. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I should buy a house. I mean, I don't have the money to buy a house, but... But somewhere I could buy a house in some places. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and that's the thing, man. It's 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 at the end of the day, it's not about what anybody thinks. It's about what you think. Mm -hmm. And it's about do I have an ethical issue with doing the Honda commercial? You know what I mean? If you don't have yeah. an ethical issue with it, if it's a product you believe in, if it's a product you can get behind. My dad was so excited. My dad works in the car business and I called him and told him and he was like, Nick, that's a great product. It is I'm very proud of you. <laughs> thought, it is well thanks dad yeah, yeah. And it's it's like it's like that there's no problem then the problem is is when you're sitting there going oh man you know i don't really believe in burger king and i heard this thing and that yeah. thing and i don't know if it, uh and then you go do it for the that's where there's a problem yeah so um uh let's see let's have one more question 
What can be positive about pessimism and negative about optimism? I think that really sums up the whole thing. Oh, by the way, that's from, sorry, that is from uh, Kim Durrell. Uh, she's at Kimberly Durrell, D-A-R-R-E-L-L. Um, I think we kind of covered it. What, what, what was the question again? What can be positive yeah. about pessimism and negative about optimism? I think we did kind of cover that. You know, uh, well, then just to sum it up, you know, I, I, I think the positive aspect of pessimism is awareness. There's, lowered it, expectations. Yeah. It's a certain awareness. Mm-hmm. It's a certain lowered expectation, uh, which, which I feel like it's a certain armor that it provides for you when you enter into the world, into the outside world. And the negativity, uh, negativity about optimism can be uh, that you have far too much faith in your own you're or, gonna be or let you're down too, too naive about your own vulnerability mm-hmm. you're not wearing enough of that armor or you're yeah. gonna be yeah or you can be let down and but realizing that there's a ceiling i don't know there's a way to be optimistic and extremely smart about it mm-hmm. i don't think i always am but you can i think there's a way to do optimism without any negatives you know as long as you have the right attitude around it i think there is i and and honestly what i think that is is having an equal balance of optimism and pessimism mm-hmm I, 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 could, I can't not agree that, that more pessimism than optimism is probably a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but, but I think often pessimism is, is, or realism or, or cynicism, I don't know. There's so many words that you could equate it to that, that are sometimes much fairer definitions. Um, I'd like to think that I'm married to optimism and have some real hot, steamy affairs with pessimism every now and then. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, you do butt stuff with pessimism. <laughs> yeah, let's I got go you. all the way. All right, yeah, there you go. That's the that's the, <laughs> we've solved the optimism pessimism debate. You do the, you butt know, stuff with yeah, pessimism, prostate things, and uh, Nick, what a pleasure to have you here. It was great. Uh, what would you like to plug? Uh, I've got uh, what? When will this come out? I think Monday, maybe oh. the following, depending. I've got a vinyl release, my folk hero vinyl, which is available online on my website, nicktoon.com. And I'm doing a show in New York at Subculture on the 22nd. And uh, Hannibal and Wyatt Sinek and Ben Kronberg are going to be on the show. We're going to sell the vinyl. Oh, that's v- great. Vinyl release show, yeah. Go and see Nick. Uh, if you haven't already seen him, uh, download his album, uh, either album, Thick Noon or uh, our Folk Hero, if you haven't uh, heard either by the vinyl. Uh, he's really terrific and uh, an original voice and, and a lot of fun to watch. So uh, thanks for being here. Thanks, Jeff.